This is, <laughs> I guess, maybe episode 47 of Morning Brew. Maybe it's not. Who fucking knows? <laughs> this has been the most disastrous recording we've ever done. And we did one shit-faced. And this is somehow still more bad. Again. Oh, no, is it falling out? No, I can hear you. Is, is this a Snape from some Steve? You dropped, dropped out there for a second. Oh, I don't know. It, I Look, I don't know what's going on with it anymore. <laughs> My settings literally don't change. Every time we boot the fucking thing up, it has another problem. Today's problem didn't even make sense. I just quit a bunch, and eventually when I joined, it started working. That's all I, I re- did. I realized that in work, and because now I'm one of the people who's been there longest, and people keep coming to me for advice and how to you know do stuff and sometimes i give good advice but most of the time my advice is just wait an hour and try again and that also seems to work Ah. so i i think with tech half the time it's not don't understand it just wait and give it another go later on yeah i did nothing all i did was anybody if if anybody asked you're doing them you can just say you're troubleshooting (laughs) have have we lost adam again i have no no i'm still here no you haven't i'm still good We've got we've got separation okay. anxiety now. Every time you go quiet, we'll think you've left us. I was just paying attention. I was being a good podcast host. It was my fault he went. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll, I'll blame it. I'm most, Craig. most unlike you. Most unlike you, Adam. I, I uh. am going to say, I did legitimately think this was some kind of Discord prank because tech companies fucking love April Fool's Day. And huh? I, I had to Google it to make sure that they weren't doing it to, to fuck with people as some kind of joke. I, I do Isn't feel it? like this year has been better for pe- I think I think companies have realized that you know people get more annoyed by April Fools now than find it charming. So I I, th- uh, I feel like today hasn't been as bad as like say 2016 or 2017 which to my mind was like the height of the fucking annoying everyone doing an April Fools bit and all of them being uh, shit. Yeah, that's my problem with it. Is they're never funny. But then the worst part is, like, they just spawn the stupidest fucking comments of all time. And they last for about a week somehow. Like, I don't know how you can ruin a prank, but the internet somehow ruins a prank. I mean, I think the big problem... The big problem is... It it gets put out on the internet, which means they have to pitch it in a very weird way. Because if you were to pitch it with the level of subtlety... Mm. Or, you know, <clears throat> absurd plausibility that would make it good. And you pitch that out there. Most people aren't going to get it. They're not even going to realize there's a joke there. They're just going to see it as um, as, a, as a weird comment and ignore it. Or just, you know, get angry at it. So you, need, like, you, need, to, you need to pitch so obvious that it's fucking... It, it's devoid of all humor. Of all... Huh. Uh, you know, of, of, any, of any complexity. Like, you look at it in the media, like, yeah, this is just a fucking April Fool's piece of shit. Which is I mean, not I, what you want is to wait a second and go, really? Oh, no, wait, I forgot what day it was. That's that's essentially the ideal reaction. Well, so I seen something earlier. The internet just doesn't get comedy. Um, like, not even, like, sarcasm. You used to hear that all the time where it's like, well, you know, it's hard to read sarcasm. It's not. It's it's really not, but okay. Um, Slash but they just don't. Huh. They just don't get uh, They just don't get humor. They just don't get humor at all. Someone I seen someone was doing an interview recently, and they made a Simpsons joke. The you know the boo urns. Yeah, yeah. They made a joke about it, and someone replied, and they were like, "Is this person fucking serious?" And I ha- I replied to them. I was like, "No, they're making a Simpsons joke. It's a joke." 
<laughs> and <laughs> they came back and they were like, well, it's hard to tell sometimes. Like, what do you mean it's hard to tell? They were making a very clear uh, joke, you fucking psychopath. What are you talking about? Uh, I like when someone doesn't get you that you've made a reference and they attribute the reference to you. And sometimes, you know, like that can be like someone being an idiot and being like, what, what do you even mean by this? What a weird thing to say. But I love the idea of someone like, you know, fucking quoting like it was the best of times, it was the worst of times and someone responding, that's really good. You should... <laughs> Put that I, in your uh, book. Steven, I was just about to say, I never hear the best of times, the worst of times. I hear it was the best of times, it was the blurst of times. Every fucking time it said. Well, didn't, um, I, I, I think they, they had some Dickens TV series, I think a few years ago, like one of those, a story every, every episode type things. And huh. uh, the producer was saying, and we initially wanted to open it with like Dickens reading the first lines of each novel as kind of like a tribute to him. And we couldn't do it in the end because we realized it would involve him saying it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And people would immediately think of The Simpsons. So we <laughs> had to cut that entire structure. See, they should so, have had him just so, say it. So the, the Simpsons, the Simpsons have actually ruined the most, one of the most famous opening lines to any book in the history of the English language. Like, what's up? It's up there with like "Call Me I Have" for fuck's sake. I don't think they have ruined it as much as stolen it for themselves. I love that episode of Future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is true as well. Whenever I whenever I read about uh, it's Queequeg, isn't it? That's the uh, that's uh, the guy from Moby Dick. Whenever I see the name now, I'm always just thinking of Leela being like, "Is there Mrs. Queequeg? <laughs> uh, is there a Mrs. Queequeg? So has has Matt Ground has Matt Groening just been like the biggest fucking menace to to authors? Has he accidentally <laughs> become like a menace to literature? A fucking disenchantment yes. and menace to literature, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, like, you know, now that, like, it's like, oh, we can't do this because people will think it's The Simpsons. He's just, like, he's, like, an accidental, like, enemy to, to otters. Well, I, I mean, like, I, I did think, you know that South Park episode uh, where, um, I think, but The Simpsons did it. Where uh, I think the the plot is that Butters is trying to like do an evil scheme and everything he Butters. thinks up of Bart Simpson has already done. Like I've cut the head off Butters. the town yeah. the, the statue in the town square, and then like the news yeah. comes up, and this just reminds us of that mischievous scamp Bart Simpson. Um, <laughs> so he goes insane because he can't think of an original idea because the Simpsons did it. But that episode came out fifteen years ago, so. The Simpsons has accumulated almost as many plots and ideas again. And I think eventually we're going to reach a critical mass of you just can't do anything because The Simpsons has already ruined it. He's already claimed it as its own. Where The Simpsons will be on the air for so long that it will eventually become Futurama because it's just, <laughs> it's just grown into it over, the, over time. I would love, but like, there's certain weird anachronistic elements still. Like, you know, it's a fusion world, or it's an entirely solar world, and Homer still works with a nuclear power plant. I just want it to be a very, 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 very slow burn into Futurama. I want them to continue The Simpsons. Well, okay, there's not a thousand years left on the planet, but I want them to continue The Simpsons for a thousand years until eventually they're like, cool, now we're just Futurama now. And then they then they have it easy for six years because they just played the next six seasons of Futurama. Then they have to go back to writing. Uh, well, we, um, we like manage society. We do an environmental revolution. We change the way we approach production, consuming everything, just so the planet lasts a thousand years, just so the Simpsons can last a thousand years. 
that's like the unifying cry that we that we issue to all nations on earth it's not let's save ourselves it's the simpsons need to get 998 or how many 900 970 more seasons you know what they probably fucking will too close enough it'd be the last thing left on air I genuinely think that like the most likely thing that's going to stop them now is when one of the cast dies, and I think Harry Shearer is by far the oldest. So it's when he dies they'll stop. Ah, they'll just replace him. They'll replace they him might with try a, a, an impressionist from Fiverr. <laughs> the, the, to be honest, they might. I mean, like I feel like I feel like Harry Shearer is the one people give the least of a shit about. But if one of the Simpsons family voices dies, or maybe if Hank Azaria dies, then they'll stop. Maybe. I think they go forever. I, I just, do you ever think about how like, so let's say there's a, like a, a very limited time left with the planet. Like we're, you know, we're hurtling towards everything being over. And you just think like, what do we have left to look forward to? And it's like another, what, nine fucking Batman films or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's really like, this is what we have to suffer through. The fucking planet is dying. And at the end of it, we don't even have like anything good as a distraction. We have fucking Batman six or whatever. Okay, Batman. but like, say we save the planet, and then you're like, great, now we have endless amount of time for endless amount of Batman films until the sun burns out in the sky, we can watch Batman. But at Batman's- least we're buying more time to produce something good, you know? You look at it now, and it's like, what's the next 16 movies coming out? And it's like, oh, it's Batman just came out, and I'm sure there's, you know, fucking Doctor Strange Tree or whatever is coming out soon. And then after that, there's another 18 Marvel films, and then there's probably a Star Wars film planned, and there's probably some other fucking thing planned. And then maybe there'll be, like, a hit indie film that comes out, and then there'll be 18 more, like, Batman or whatever coming out. And it's like, I just fucking, this is all we have to look forward to. All culture is leading towards Spider-Man versus Batman. Here's what I want to know, right? Are people really so out of the habit of going to the cinema on a regular or semi-regular occasion, like just on spec, just for some, just as something to do to get out of the house on a Friday night? Are people so genuinely out of that habit that movie theaters can't just take a punt and people will actually go and see something uh, without without it actually having to exist on the continuum of some fandom? I think that that's it's almost nothing to do with covid or anything breaking the habit i think people didn't do it anyway no but well you know like obviously from the high of the film theater going era was pre-television and like with all forms of media disaggregation same as the city newspaper in the united states and and in other you know equivalent markets has been kind of on the downslide ever since radio came on the scene yeah same kind of goes for theater or for 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 cinema I get what post you're saying. TV, but have people ha, do? Does Hollywood really think that things have gotten so dire in the last little while, specifically that they can't make money on film unless people are going to say, "Oh my God, I have to see this particular intellectual property." I don't. I don't even necessarily think it's that they don't think they'll make money on it. I think they see Spider-Man Three and they go, "Oh man, that's an easy six hundred million dollars we're gonna make." And that's where they go. Like, I look forward to it. Like, several years ago, like, these movies were still coming out at the time, obviously. Yeah. But they'd come out, like, you know, twice a year or whatever. And I would look forward to the twice a year when this Hollywood blockbuster movie would come out. Because during the year, there was, like, 30 great films that came out. <laughs> you know, 
you like you go and see for you know you go and see fucking Hail Caesar, and then like mm. you know a couple months later you go and see fucking Avengers two or whatever. I that was that was great, and like but now it's the opposite. Now it's all Marvel films and all like major franchises because they're not movies anymore; they're franchises now. <laughs> and now it's now it's just all of them, and like every now and again, like you might get something interesting that pops up, like a licorice pizza or whatever. But like, it's like real few and far between. And I prefer the other way around. <laughs> I prefer like when there's one Avengers every like two years, and like thirty great films, and not thirty Avengers and <laughs> one great film. Well, I've heard it's been like it's been criticized as an issue for long before Marvel really we do it, established I mean, itself. I think it it's every- just. To be fair, we do it every second episode at least. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We keep we keep falling <laughs> into the same trap. But I, 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 if I anything though, I would say that that shows the same point, which is that it's not necessarily that there's certain franchises which are eating everything up by the nature of what they do. You know, it's not like there's anything particularly pernicious about Marvel or Star Wars or whatever. Um, it's just that they've been found now to be the most effective means of of guaranteeing success but if you go back to the year 2000 to the 1990s you still had people criticizing that trend that everything was sequels and that everything was like look at the simpsons spoofing um the rocky sequels because they were seen as guaranteed success so you know there's like rocky was it there when barton learned roman numerals he's like of course rocky 12 adrian's revenge you know so it's like the, the idea of of banking on guaranteed properties has been around for a good right. while now well, and it, and the middle the middle budget movie which is what <laughs> you like that kind of what would be like the the kind of the good uh pop, popular type movie that everyone would have gone to see and that, that that's the one that's been dying out since since the 90s i agree but it's on such a bigger scale now though you know what i mean like yeah. Disney being the biggest production company in the world is a problem because it means that instead of getting, you know, Avengers every two years, you need to get 16 films in the one year. And there's nothing else out. Like, uh, if you look at, like, the, the schedule that's been out recently, and I, obviously I know COVID was there for a while, but, like, before COVID, the only film that really came out was Sonic the fucking Hedgehog. And then the first film to come out after was the fucking Black Widow. And it's like, that's your, that's either side of it. Before going into COVID, you have to deal with the only fucking film being in cinemas being Sonic the Hedgehog. And then you finally escape it. And you're like, cool, I go to the cinema again. And Black Widow's the only thing there. Yeah, that's true. And also, those are the only things that people care. Like, I I, I think probably, yeah, Steve is right, that it's been exacerbated because people will only go out now for things they really give a shit about. And apparently well, people they? only haven't. Well, I was the opposite. So, like, we talked about it on the show before, but, like, the first film I went to see after COVID stuff wasn't any of the big blockbuster movies that everyone wanted. I went to see Halloween, the sequel to, like, the, the like, the new trilogy. But that's still franchisey. You know, that's still, I mean, you're going based on the fact that you, you know what it is, essentially. Yeah, but that's a, that's a B-horror movie, though. They're all, like, horror is the schlockiest of the schlock, like... But I wasn't. I wasn't going to see anything like that. I wasn't going to see like the Fast Ten or whatever they're on now or anything yeah. like it. Was it was I seen Halloween? And I went cool. Let's go see Halloween. You know. Um, Actually, just bef- before before I forget, I I feel like you you guys should know that. Have you seen that? Um, Fast and Furious Ten has been split into two parts. So there's going to be Fast and the Furious Ten Part One and Fast and the Furious Ten Part Two. Fast see, and Furious. The Fast and Furious Nine and a Half. 
This is what I'm saying. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> I thought that fucking Harry Potter trend was over ages ago. Yeah. Also, they're still making Harry Potter movies. Surely, like, there's... I'm, I, I mean, I guess it's coloured by J.K. Rowling being a piece of shit and all of that, but, like, I amazed people still give a shit about Harry Potter. Dumbledore! I mean, I've seen the it's ads great. from them, and at least the special effects look fucking fun, at least, in the new ones. Yeah. I guess, I but I never, I never thought... In, like, I think we should get into specifics. Here's a list of the new releases for April. Cool. Uh, how many of these would you go to the cinema to see? That should be how the question. I'm going to go ahead and say possibly one, one, possibly two of them. I no. would take a punt on, but would, I'm going to go would. ahead. I'm, I'm going to just add that I, I don't know what most. I I know what all but two, so I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight films okay. for release in April. That's good. That's a lot more than normal. Yeah, um, I don't know. Is April usually a big movie and f- film? No, film movie? I think they've just had to leave them on the back burner for two years. Um, so as far as I can tell, because okay. I'm kind of guessing here and I'm not sure, the original films, i.e., non-franchise films, are the bad guys, which is a I don't know, I think it's a Pixar animation. Yeah, it's a horror. It's a, not a horror, geez, it's a, some animated kids movie. Yeah. Morbius? Oh, God, no. Jesus, that's a franchise. Is that a franchise? Yeah, it's the fucking vampire from Spider-Man. Jared Leto sake. plays him. Oh, my God. So, they're actually into, they're actually already into the weeds here in terms of characters so obscure that even me, someone who is reasonably well-versed in pop culture of all kinds has just literally never heard of something they're hanging an entire movie on. Also, like they, why did they put Jared be... Leto in it? He's also yeah. shit. Because he had, a, he had a week free, I guess. If anyone in Hollywood <laughs> likes to suck, it's Jared fucking Leto, so make him play a vampire. Okay, so so far we've got one of the eight films that are up for release this month um, <laughs> being a non-franchise movie. Moving on, um, The Lost City? I'm pretty sure that's like uh, based on something because, it, like, if you look at the poster for that, that's, that's Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum and, and Sandra Bullock. Yeah. And it has, oh, Jesus. Cradle Robber. <laughs> I'd ha- Sandra, if you're listening, call me. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Channing Tatum. <laughs> um, what's it about? Oh, uh, it's original. It is original. It is original. Okay. Yeah, I'd go and see a Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie. Yeah. That sounds fun. That sounds like a bit of crack. Wait, what's the runtime on it? I don't know. Hang on, let's Does see. Say? Uh, 112 minutes. Okay, okay, okay. They've got me. I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see that movie. Got Daniel Radcliffe in it. That's less than two hours. Daniel Radcliffe's in it. Okay, and Brad, Brad Pitt is in it. Perfect. I hope he Daniel, plays the scene. Daniel Radcliffe and Brad Pitt. <laughs> now, I don't think that's ever happened before, has it? Uh, Brad Pitt played Dobby in Harry Potter. <laughs> you fucking wish. That's why everyone wanted to fuck Dobby. <laughs> I think uh, that would be the first time anyone said that sentence. <laughs> then after that, we have something called Operation Mincemeat. Oh, that sounds good, actually. That's about... Um, oh, Operation Mincemeat was the um, the operation in World War Two. I think, where they were trying to convince the Nazis that they were landing in a different bit of of europe i think or 
maybe it was the, no sorry i think what it was was, was it was when they were landing in yeah. in in when they were attacking italy and they wanted to like mislead the nazis so they like, got a, a dead body and stuck like essentially a, a <laughs> paper saying top secret plans For on fuck's it sake. and let it wash up on italy so, and the italians it, found it and were like we give it this to the germans and then so, they sent it. is this like is this like weekend at, at- is this like a fucking weekend at Bernie's, but for World it, War Two? It's like yeah. a real life re- weekend at Bernie's, but for World I War Two. Yeah. Uh, I'd just like to raise a point of order. Um, World War Two films count as a franchise because uh, they count as a franchise. They're guaranteed bankers in terms of all the same lads who watch World War Two movies are going to watch them. I, fucking, I love, I love the idea of the World War Two extended universe. Hitler, well, Hitler showing up wearing the. It doesn't need to do that in the Kingsman. No. Oh, yeah, he did. He did, yeah. actually. Yeah, when they Just were like, say, oh, I want to introduce my friend Adolf. He's like, hello. <laughs> World, World War Two is a set of characters and aesthetics which are common to almost all films, uh, which are familiar for the viewer to watch. It is essentially a period drama, but also a very specific period drama. Many, often with many recurring historical characters, especially Churchill. True, Just, and you could probably... And Hitler. Like, you could so probably they guess... Actually, which, so it, it's... Which, it's almost it's almost exactly the same as a as as a franchise movie, especially when you consider that a World War Two movie has a specific market profile. Yeah, and and you can definitely guess. For example, if you were just given someone from a World War Two movie, you could be like, "Oh, that's a British soldier," or "That's yeah. an American officer." Like they've yeah. got visual recognition. Yep. Yeah. And also, like, have we have, have you lost me? Have I unplugged no, myself? That was that I, was that. I accidentally clicked hang up. <laughs> okay. There was no technical issues. There was just Dan issues. You know those mark like they those movies don't really sell outside the Anglo American markets, as far as I can tell. Unless they do unless they put a Chinese character in them and they, they send them off to the Chinese market, yeah. in which case they'll have an audience somewhere. But Did um Dunkirk make a bunch of money. Probably. Like Probably. Yeah, but yeah. that's almost, that's a Nolan movie, which is again yeah. its own type of franchise almost. Yeah. True. Fair. Okay. Wait, hang on. Are we extending this yeah. so all auteur cinema is also a franchise? I, th- I think in this sense. I have a, feel- like, I have I say, a feeling. I have a feeling um, uh, Martin Scorsese might have something to say about that, but here we are. No, but I, th- I think I in the sense that franchises are used, in which they need something that'll convince people to go out, so that they can bank on having appeal, then yeah. Yeah, it used to be the star system. Now it's you know people need to know a recognizable set of attributes that would be in the movie. I'd give it four Scorseses. <laughs> four Scorseses and a couple of please. Uh, okay, what else is coming out? Uh, the last movie coming out this month is. Wait, sorry, just one second there. I, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt you, but second I'm looking last, at the Wikipedia. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Operation Mincemeat, and there's a character who's name is in blue which means this is a real person and their name is bentley purchase (laughs) (laughs) hello my name is bentley purchase which is just if i ever buy a bentley i i think i legally to to bentley purchase (laughs) bentley purchase also to make you want to see this movie even more one of the main characters in it is ian Ian fleming As a guy who wrote oh, yeah, James of Bond he, is, he is did, one of the heroes he did, in it. He did. Ian Fleming isn't anybody's hero. Let's be real here. He's a raving misogynist and alcoholic. But I think alcoholic. Certainly a I raving mean, misogynist. Sorry, one of the protagonists. 
in this movie. Oh my god, Bentley Purchase. So William Bentley Purchase, CBEMC. Oh, he got the military cross. Fair play to him. Pursued a career in medical examination. Coroner with jurisdiction over most of London from 1930 to 1958. That's incredible. Oh my god. That sounds exhausting. He's definitely he's definitely been written into an Agatha Christie. I do enjoy looking at people's like because I follow that World War Two history channel where they do like here's what happened this week and I love some of the names that come up because you really don't fucking expect them. To One of the like main RAF commanders during World War Two's first name was Keith. Mm. Like, there's no way fucking Keith fought the Nazis. Keith didn't exist until the seventies. <laughs> or it's like yep. all the ch- all the Charleses who called themselves Chad. And you're like, there's no way what? Chad is a posh British name. <laughs> what's, what's, what's next on the list? What else we got? The next we got the Northman. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. I've heard that it's very um, difficult to understand. Someone said you need a PhD in in Norse history to fully get it. What? That can be that difficult. Just nah. watch it and let it wash over you. How difficult could that be? Yeah. There's only like two PhDs in North history, Norse history in the world, I'd say. Well, there's probably a few more than that, but certainly of Viking history. It can't be more than two dozen. I'll go see the, I'll go see the stupid Sandra Bullock uh, Channing Tatum film with Daniel Radcliffe and Brad Pitt. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, seems rad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Adam, that. you've gone a bit quiet there. Can you turn yourself up? Okay. I want to go see... The Norseman starring Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock, Daniel Radcliffe, and Brad Pitt. Where's my Brad Pitt Viking movie? I deserve it. And I'm not I'm not saying either that like I'm some kind of like, you know, art cinema fan. I'm not. I hate art cinema. (laughs) I think art cinema sucks, sorry. (laughs) Um, but I just like small, neat little movies that are just there to be a movie that you watch and enjoy, and I don't have to invest seventeen million hours of my life and then like on an october night after like eight pints in the fucking in oscars or whatever i can stumble on into uh into the lighthouse and watch avengers and i think that's fine that's the perfect the perfect uh to balance the dose i think the last movie i saw that did that for me was parasite okay which uh, in case anyone hasn't seen parasite it's fucking great such a good uh, movie i haven't watched it i actually haven't Oh, it's great. Steve, you'd love it. It's all about how the rich people are evil. Which I don't need a movie to tell me that. No, but it's nice to see it in a movie. Then we've Downton Abbey, A New Era. That's the 29th of April, 2022. Jesus yeah. Christ. I thought, I, uh... the whole, I thought the whole point of Downton Abbey was that, like Brideshead Revisited, it's about the decline of the great houses following World War II and that there couldn't possibly be a new fucking era. In the it, wake was, of it was until... Wasn't yeah, that the was... fucking point? <laughs> It was till it got popular, and then yeah, so it started making <laughs> then, money. Yeah, and then it was like, hey, we need six more seasons, two movies, and a New York spinoff. There's another cousin. Yeah, there's a there's a whole New York spinoff, which is basically just Downton Abbey, but for New York, and uh, one of the Sex and the City girls is in it, which I think is very funny because I like. Wait, to is imagine, that true? Like, yeah, yeah. I, like I think you were joking. No, no, no. I'm 100 percent serious, <laughs> and uh, I like to imagine that she's like a great relative of the sex in the city girl so one day one day like that's like her her like distant relative in the in the modern day new york in the 2000s or whatever did you um think they they, they rebooted sex in the city or they've done some like new version of it and they just yeah, didn't sucked. bring back kim cattrall and they just like had her off screen the um, entire... she went to london or something like that uh, and that's the last you uh, hear of it so kim cattrall doesn't like sarah jessica parker and sarah jessica parker doesn't like kim cattrall so she was like hey i'm just not gonna do this 
Um, and I guess she got the last laugh because everyone spent the whole season saying, hey, where the fuck is Kim Cattrall? While she sat at home going, ha ha. Ha ha, got him. Kim Cattrall gave one of the worst performances I've ever seen in any movie in Big Trouble in Little China. And I think maybe it was deliberate, but it was still terrible. Which shows Listen, that you could be ironic and you can still be shit. No one ever accused the Sex and the City main cast of being fucking amazing actors. You know? <laughs> Cynthia Nixon's pretty good, actually. She's pretty good in most things. She I, Actually, she's the one who's in uh, that New York thing. Now that I think oh. about it. Okay, I'll give it a go then. If Cynthia Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Stop that. She'd never betray yeah. me. I was yeah, just... That that's that was just my my thing on movies, you know. Everyone remember the last time I was desperately trying to go see Jackass four, four or whatever. So like you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sitting around saying please give me high art cinema. I wanted to see the guy get hit in the balls by Francis. We never went. We never got to go to I Jackass. See... Whatever happened that week? Do you think it's still on? Let's go at the weekend. I doubt it. Check. Um, I want to see Martin Scorsese. Oh, there's fucking, there's fucking nothing else on. Yeah, I know, but they probably took that down. Sure, Lighthouse never showed it, which was a bad move on their part. Ah, they misunderstood. There's a parent what and baby it, what is it? Dude. What is this? The IFI? Come at me, bro. Lighthouse, you gotta show. Why aren't you showing Jackass? Who do you think you are? The Irish Film Institute. Get the Jackass. fuck over yourself and put it on. Jackass is literally the perfect movie for the Lighthouse audience. They are actually, to be fair to the Lighthouse, they are showing currently a movie which is a perfect movie for their. Oh, they're showing two. They're showing Total Recall and Starship Troopers and Robocop. None of those are new movies. No, but those are all ideal movies for the type of crowd. They who are. Goes they to are. The I agree. I agree. Nerds. I'm just saying that when a movie that's perfect for your audience comes out, which which is Jackass, and you don't show it, I think you're being a little bit stuck up. Same. You're gonna stop it. selling like, popcorn next, like the IFI. Jackass isn't Jackass isn't everyone's cup of tea. Uh, like you know, Eva wouldn't have would have wouldn't have wanted to go see it, but. I think that, like, yeah, this is a stupid movie, but everyone here knows that, and everyone just wants to have fun, and you're going to sell out the whole screening. You know, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. I'm sorry that, like, when you're showing Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, like, as if it's worlds apart from Jackass Forever. <laughs> sorry, I didn't realize Hollywood Babylon all of a sudden was a very serious fucking place to be. When is the next Hollywood Babylon? Is it I on yet? No, I think it's um I think they're showing um Showgirls as part of it next week. Oh, that movie's hilarious. All I know is the cunt punch. That's the only part of it I've seen. <laughs> wow. <Wah-pow! laughs> Isn't that the one um what's her name? The curly headed chick from Save of the Bells and Yeah, she's uh, so in, in trying to get away from her Save by the Bell image, she made one of the most adult movies of all time. <laughs> she over course corrected. And then she ended up back and saved by the bell. (laughs) (laughs) In fairness, Dustin Diamond did exactly the same thing, but it it wasn't anywhere near as nice to look (laughs) at. I mean, yeah, he did overcorrect. Unfortunately, his wasn't a movie. (laughs) It was an iPhone video. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh (laughs) That's even way worse. I'd forgotten that. I thought it was an actual production. No, 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 no! It was him with like a, it was him on coke with a video camera in his hand with two women that were also probably on coke. Do you think the girls so, just did that for the bragging rights? I mean, probably. He got a big old schlong and a lot of money, so why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, rest in peace, Dustin Diamond. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, see, if you say we talk about the Marvel Universe too much, at least that's culturally relevant. We talk about Dustin Diamond a lot for someone who's not culturally relevant. Oh, okay. But that's only because he can't be because he's dead. That's not fair. That's not his fault. Do you know what I watched the other night? Three Days of the Condor. Perfect movie. What's that one about? It could never be made today. Not enough time. Uh... <laughs> Well, well, for starters, Robert Redford is too old. <laughs> um, no, he's like uh, there's a whole romantic interlude with a woman that he uh, that that Robert Redford um, uh, holds a gunpoint and imprisons in her home for the course of a most of a weekend when he's on the run from elements of the CIA who are trying to kill him. What so he kidnaps her and she falls in love with him. Have you actually never seen it then? No. Oh, it's very good. You'd like it. It's brilliant. It's amazing, perfect movie. Yeah, it's a very, very good film. Um, definitely couldn't be made today. It definitely would be cancelled. Oh, stop! Cancel culture's not even real. Every fucker that got cancelled is making more money than they did when they got fucking cancelled. <laughs> stop! So few people that actually faced any repercussions. I'm sure somebody. I'm sure somebody, somebody would call it glorifying violence against women or something, saying he's I mean, you know the hero. I mean, I guess, but that's like that's you know that's the point of a of an art piece, right? You're just telling a story. Like well, I wouldn't know. call it an art piece. I think it's um. Well, I mean, that's what a movie is, you know, just as, as a, a general concept. You know what I mean? I think it's a Tom Clancy novel. It's a, it's, a, it's a maybe a Frederick Forsyth novel. But what what I mean is like the act of writing out a screenplay and casting people and yeah. them doing a performance and recording and editing it and all the rest of it. Like it's an art piece. And then what you get out of it is a is a pretty cool end product, which is a movie. And you know, movies are probably the best way to to kill any amount of time, as long as they're ninety minutes. Um, no, I I do. It's it's funny that you say that. I I just every like two days, I log onto Twitter and it's someone else calling someone else like a shite hawk for doing whatever. And I just kind of feel like, can people stop telling me at this point? <laughs> I was like, I really, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't go out and buy coffee anywhere. I can't shop anywhere. I, <laughs> I'm not allowed to buy certain clothes brands. I just, can someone tell me what I'm allowed and not allowed to do? I just, I can't keep up with it. I don't know which celebrity we need to avoid. I don't know what brands I need to avoid. It's too much. I have a job. I have a job and a wife. I re I need a spreadsheet for this stuff. <laughs> Literally, it's every other day. It's like, oh, no one should buy from this place anymore. And it's like, fucking great. What? <laughs> can someone open a cafe then? Like, can someone open a place where I could buy a coffee, please? What is your, what are your, your guys, what's your, what's your favorite underrated spy movie? Spy. Underrated. Spy movie. Um, should I start? Because I, I have, I have, uh, I have one I can just go with now. In okay. fairness, it's just been inspired by the fact that I remembered having talked about Three Days of the Condor. I remembered another film that I enjoyed very much having discovered it on Netflix. Uh, it's called uh, well, a series of films, uh, the Warwicker trilogy, starring Bill Nye, which is probably based on a recent series of novels. I'm not sure. Bill Nye plays an aging MI5 agent who uh, jousts with his superiors and, and compatriots over uh, torture camps involving extraordinary rendition and all that and uh, leaks it to the press and has a romantic interlude with Rachel Weiss because, you know, why wouldn't he? He's producing the thing. And they all turned up in uh, sort of kind of made-for-TV DVD, Channel 4 
ITV, not sure what channel, don't really care. Maybe Thames Television for all I know. And uh, they're all rather good little movies. Highly recommend. Okay. Um, I think... Do you have one offhand, then? I do, yeah. Okay. But I don't, I'm trying to figure out how underrated it is or underappreciated, because people... So, I would just go based on whether you know people that talk about it or not, because I'm sure what I'm going to say is probably pretty popular, but I've just no one ever... I've <laughs> never talked to anyone about it, because they so, don't seem to know it. So people, people talk about this one, but most of the people I talk to about it hate it, which is Tinker Tailor oh, Soldier no. Spy. Most, oh, people you talk, most people talk, you talk to hate it. I love that. Yeah, movie. yeah. Everyone, they're all talk, complaining about how slow it is. Where did that's you find these point? And how they couldn't follow it. That's, that's, the, entire... that's the entire point. It's, it's such a good movie. It's, it's brilliant. So I can, I can understand. Man. Nobody understands the third man. Nobody yeah, understands can... the side who came in from the cult. You have to I watch them all like three, four times. I can understand people saying they, they didn't follow it. That's fair. I still think it's a great movie. And, you know. Also, it makes perfect sense. Everyone's bonking everybody else. Everybody's having affairs and somebody... <laughs> That's it, yeah. There's yeah, that one incredibly turns, ugly 80s and it turns, party where everyone's having and it, sex. And it turns out in the end one of them's a traitor. And like, it's not that difficult. Uh, they, they figure it out in the end. What's, what's not to understand? In fact, if anything, what I really appreciate about it is it's just a steady march towards figuring it out. There's yeah. no, uh, there's no drama, but will they? Well, it's just steady good spy. It's the same with them. Um, yeah. It's not a spy movie. But I think I said this before. Spotlight. You know the movie about uncovering the, um, yes. the abuse in the Catholic Church. It. And there's no, there's no tension. There's no. Oh, maybe they won't cover it. Maybe they'll be blocked. It was just mm. steady good journalism until they uncover it all. That's uh, the version of police procedural. You know, Agatha Christie had the Who Done It. And then Columbo moved to the How Catch'em. I would love to do a, a Columbo, but like in a, in another setting, like Columbo is a doctor, where he like he's about to leave the patient. Just one more thing. That's House. That, that, that pen, no, that's Sherlock Holmes. House of the Sherlock no, Holmes. Because you fucking you couldn't do Columbo as a doctor because who's he trying to trick when he's like pretending to be an idiot? Uh, <laughs> it's definitely not. Th- it's definitely not leprosy. <laughs> Just one more thing. Finger it's falls awful. off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're looking awful green. <laughs> yeah. What's about you, Um, probably Cars Two. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just I don't think it gets the the kind of uh, respect it deserves. It done a lot different. Obviously, Cars One is a is a race movie, but Cars Two, uh, he's actually involved with the British spies. Um, you know, Michael Caine is in it. He he plays a British spy car, Finn McMissile. Um, and I just I feel like it doesn't really get the respect it deserves. You know, are you sure that's not an genres. Are you sure that's not an IRA car, Finn McMissile? It might be. It might be. Um, it could, it could be a green car action. Eddie, you say it. Uh, no, I. Uh, radio plays come out. You black and tans. No, <laughs> that's that's not British racing green. <laughs> come out and race me like a man. Um, is it, do you think uh, there's the car troubles in the car universe, and like car Jerry Adams has to have his voice changed on the on the BBC when he's being interviewed? <laughs> he has to honk differently. Yeah, we've re- we've replaced him with a lower a lower caliber motor to make him sound different. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, 
It's it actually Cars Two is a close it was close close um, for first place. It's actually second place. Um, it's a different Owen Wilson film. Uh, that's first place, and I wouldn't. Wow, it's not quite a spy film, but wow. it's No Escape. It's the it's the Pierce Brosnan film where Pierce Brosnan plays James Bond, but doesn't play James Bond, but he's really playing James Bond. Um, and they're they're trapped um, in Southeast Asia, and they have to try and escape. I think it's uh, I don't know where it's supposed to be. Um, I, they don't ever name anywhere, but they basically they caught in the middle of a revolution, and they 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 can't get out. And they're <laughs> trying to say a very good movie. Uh, Omelson's very very good in it. Um, is pretty good in it too, but it's very much a case of like he's he's um he's he's James Bond. Is, is, is it a classic uh, middle aged man is secretly a badass movie that all came out after um, Taken? It's it's not <laughs> even like secretly a badass. Like he doesn't do anything like insanely incredible. It's not like the way you know you watch Logan and you know Hugh Jackman is supposed to be old, but every action scene in the film he's still kind of up there. And like John Wick, the way Keanu Reeves is still like, you know, still like, you know, quite active. He's definitely old in it. And like, he's like, you know, there's times where he'll show up and like, he has like a, he'll have a gun and he's like a pretty good shot, but he's never like, he's not like running up and like fighting people or anything or like choking anyone out or anything like that. But it's a good, it's a good film. And you know, he, he basically alludes to the fact that he's a spy and stuff like that a couple of times during the film, but it's very much like he's, he's James Bond, but he's not James Bond. We can't say, we can't say he's James Bond, but he's supposed to be retired James Bond. What is there? What is the screen? What is the screen chemistry with Owen Wilson? Because I'm just dying to know how that works. That they are two very different actors. He's he's very serious in it, and he's very like his delivery is different. It's like he slows himself down a lot, but not in the way he would like act with like Vince Vaughn, where he's supposed to play like an idiot. Mm. He's just kind of like very like subdued. It's they're good. He's he's very good in it. It's a good film. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I recommend watching it. It's, it's, it's on Netflix. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Where Bond. I, I think he could do it now. Why not? Fuck it. Has, he ever, has, has he ever done an accent? What are you me? He's the penguin right now. <laughs> oh, that's true. I remember. <laughs> I have seen the tra- the trailer. I got you. I got you. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I, whatever his accent I was, is. I was gonna go to support Colin Farrell because he has a very unfortunate career where he picks blockbuster movies that aren't very good and seem to tank his career for a little while. But then you get stuff like The Lobster, you know. So it, it's worth it. If anything, then you want his blockbusters to tank, so he keeps doing interesting indie stuff. Yeah, but I also want them to, like, you know, not be in shit. So, <laughs> like, you know, one or two can be good. But I was gonna, I was interested when I seen that, and I was like, all right, interesting choice. We're gonna have Colin Farrow play the Penguin. Okay. And then they said, hey, uh, Batman is two hours and 53 minutes long before the credits. And I went, nope. How about you go and suck a fart out of my ass? There's not a fucking hope I'm gonna go see that movie. Just wait for one of those YouTube videos, which is just the Batman, but only the Penguin. Or one of those type of fucking edits. That that'll be fine. I just there's no fucking way I'm paying like twenty quid to go and sit for three hours in a fucking Batman film. Get out of here. Stop that. I don't need that. <laughs> no, I don't need or care about this. It's a man in a cape. I want him to beat someone up and then we all go home happy. I have heard that because it's so realistic in tone, it just makes the entire thing absurd. Because you need some suspension of disbelief to not think that the police are going to see a man in a cape dressed up as a bat walk onto a crime scene and do anything other than say, sir, please leave. I think your carer needs you back or something like. 
it's I mean, some, you have like a, a, like your know, gritty murder you have the forensics there and then you just have a man being like what's the situation and everyone's taking him seriously i mean you say that but jaden smith um once went to a wedding and he was dressed as batman except for in all white because you know he's dressed no up. fucking oh way. i'm not joking you can go look that up just put in jaden smith batman um you know and no one told him to go home they probably just thought, man, this kid's Jesus. a little bit weird. Jesus you see him there? Christ. There you go. There you go. <laughs> this is why, you know, the whole Will Smith thing was so believable because I don't think that family has been in touch with reality for 30 years. Stop. I can't keep listening to people talk about this being some kind of fucking weird stunt to promote whatever. It's like, stop it. I, <laughs> I don't have time for conspiracy theories, especially not when it's something fucking so minor and inconsequential. No, what I really enjoyed was Daniel Radcliffe's response. could have killed him. Daniel Radcliffe's response being like, I don't care. Why, why are you asking me about this? I have no opinion. Quite honestly, I hope more people get slapped at more award shows. Yeah. Yeah, the only correct response is, that was a very funny thing which happened. I think, I think Chris Rock, when, when Will Smith was getting his Oscar, should have walked up and slapped him back in the fucking head. <laughs> Just get, get his revenge right there on stage. Pop! <laughs> just taking his moment away that would have been great imagine if for the next like 10 years these two fuckers just like came up out of the fucking blue and slapped the other one at inopportune times when they were just trying to do their job <laughs> just, just until they're dead well like the, f- the filming of Men in Black 5 has been cancelled yeah. because they can't get yeah. a shot because Chris Rock keeps slapping Will Smith yeah they like open the boot in like a scene for Men in Black and Chris Rock pops out and slaps him in the face and they have to shoot the whole scene again fucking got him <laughs> just, just wasted two hours of filming there. Oh God! So I have a a final topic to, okay. to to close us out. So today is a very significant and important day for me because today the Red Hot Chili Peppers' new album came out, their first with John Frusciante since two thousand and six, and. I think there's it, it's kind of difficult to describe because you know there's a lot relative episodes have been relevant or not relevant I don't think they're relevant now really but they've been a band one of a big band since the early 1990s so they've got fans you know up into their 50s and 60s but I think there's a particular band of fans kind of around um my age slightly older slightly younger who got into them around the time of stadium arcadium then had john frusciante leave the band and never fucking got a new album or got to experience new red hot chili peppers music with john frusciante and they just sort of resigned themselves that it was never going to happen and then two years ago uh flea puts up that really fucking weird instagram message saying goodbye josh welcome back john um (laughs) And I, I genuinely thought his account had been hacked because it was it was it read like so lazily. It was like Which is also like, probably how he found out he was fired. I he I think he was found out like earlier that day. Like they just like sat him down like you're gone. And they just propped back in and it was really dick a dickhead move. But it was worth it because the new album is so much better than anything they released with like it, it it's kind of a joke with the Red Hot Chili Peppers that whenever they don't have John Frusciante, their level is like a quarter of what it is with them. And the moment he comes back, even when he's uninterested, they just like spring up to a much better band. Yeah. Um, but it was it's genuinely been emotional is too intense a word, but it's genuinely been a very a kind of a very positive moment I never thought I'd get 
in my life, I sort of resigned that it was never going to happen, that I was going to get to experience a new Red Hot Chili Peppers album, new songs and new w- with John Frusciante. Uh, so I've been spending the day just listening to it, almost not able to believe that it's actually happening. And it helps that the album fucking, it's excellent. Yeah. It's, it's just hit after hit after, well, actually I would say there's not that many hits in it because it's not, it's not very riff heavy, but there's a lot of really, really good songs in there. Some of the best stuff they've ever done. So Okay, I'm excited to listen now. Yeah, do it. I mean, um, it, I, it's, it's weird because the songs that they picked for their singles, like the three songs they picked for their singles are probably in my four worst songs on the album. So it's like, yeah. it's amazing that they picked them so poorly. That's uh, a pretty good, that's a pretty good go of it though. You have like 13 songs to pick from and you pick the four worst ones. That's oh no, a pretty so- good ratio. 17 songs. This is the Batman of um oh, Okay, sorry, sorry. I forgot it's a Chili Peppers album. <laughs> they don't cut Yeah, they don't they don't fucking cut songs. That's half of yeah, the yeah. It's it's very difficult when you're a Chili Peppers fan trying to explain why convention we don't use conventional uh, logic when evaluating an album like oh there's there's you know there's songs you don't like in there. Yeah, but you can just skip past them, brother. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the, there's some uh-huh. shit songs on Stadium Arcadium and that's my favorite album of Slum. all time. Stadium Arcadium is a great album, but there's like 32 songs, and a lot of them are like, "Oh, <laughs> this, this one can go away." I, 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 actually, the way I knew John Frusciante was back, and that I knew it was an iconic Chili Peppers album, was because there was one song which was way too slow and cut the momentum of the album. And I'm going to skip every time it comes up. Uh, it up the, up there with If and Porcelain and every other weird slow song that they stick in the middle of the album just as they're getting going. I like If and Porcelain. You're a fucking idiot. Okay, I mostly like it. <laughs> Porcelain's Por- good. It's okay, Porcelain's okay. But If is good. I like If. If's a good song. Uh, if I listen to sometimes, but you can't. It just it's weird because you know it just you're you're bopping along. You're, you've got like all these up tempo rocky numbers, and then it just cuts. And it's just that Nikita's right. been like, if I had a clue, I'd know exactly what to do. And it just. I, yeah. I thought you loved all that stuff. Stop. Continue. I like that because that's in the middle of an up tempo poppy song. Also, um, in fairness, that is a comedy band. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit different. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know where I put the Red Hot Chili Peppers on that line either. I saw um, the Pitchfork review described them as three, ex- three, three wonderful musicians and their friend. And that's sort of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, who's the friend? Anthony Kiedis, the singer. Anthony is... Kiedis is the friend. Yeah, the, the the other three are like among the best in their disciplines, and then yeah. Anthony Kiedis is just like Bing Bang Bong and Ning Nong Nong. I believe that is one of their songs. I think that's around the world. That is that is his lyrics, probably. How many bands do you know that have split up over creative differences, though? Loads. So clearly, clearly, bands that get on with each other are more of an asset to the uh, discerning content consuming music listening public than yeah. Um, two sets of geniuses who just fucking hate each other do one album fuck off i mean for shanti leaves every 15 years or so but otherwise yeah i get um i know but i mean so steve i don't also heard I, their I, single black summer but it includes the lyric you know in the it start it, the song goes on and you know you have the gaps between verses so when you open a verse those are the most significant lyrics they set the tone and key just opens a verse with platypus are few the secret life of rue <laughs> and he doesn't elaborate from there. And I guess th- there are fewer platypuses than there should be, but it's just a fucking weird way of saying it. My it's a weird point to make in general. My I, also, I also have an opinion that I don't think supergroups should be allowed to do more than one album together. One album, one tour, that's it, then they have to disband. 
How many supergroups actually are there, though? Because, like... Busted, who split up after the one tour, like Steven said. They listened to the rule. That's the only supergroup in Pride of Countenance. you got, I'm sure, like, fucking... They all have, they're all in supergroups. I mean, the only super, supergroup I can think of is... is and it's all just... It's all just Harrison's really, one. It's all, well, yeah, and it's all just, like, often, often seems to me just very indulgent, really super indulgent jamming on stage. By yeah. a load of big cock lads, and I find that really boring. Okay, yeah, I agree. I think like I, th- I think like if you get people together just because they're famous, then it's not really gonna it's not really gonna work. Or else you get them together and they clearly just aren't taking it that seriously and are doing well, silly the, songs. The Traveling Wilburys had that one good hit, and that's really good. But the, like, you get your one hit from the supergroup, and then you immediately disband the supergroup. Don't keep inflicting yourselves on us. Okay, fair. Could Fleetwood Mac be considered a supergroup? No, because yeah, they all no. they they started as a band. They then they went bring... on to have then they went on to have successful solo careers. Then they went back and reformed several times. Oh, yeah, maybe. So does that that's... make does that make the reformed Fleetwood Mac a supergroup? No, no, that's like getting back with an X. The clock doesn't restart <laughs> if you start going out with an X again, you know? It's not It's not like getting back with an X, Adam. They, it is. It is getting back with an X. Yeah, in, yeah, in, the case, in the case with Lindsay Buckingham and uh, Stevie <laughs> Nicks, it was literally getting back with... Actually, I think in the case of most of that band, it was literally getting back with an X. <laughs> but what I mean is that if you're going out with someone for, let's say, two years and then you break up, it's not like when you get back together, it's day one again. No, it's not. It's, it's fucking day 766 or whatever. <laughs> you know yeah, that's how yeah. it works you're in the same spot you're in the same place you were in the day before can't go back on it can't renege well you can you just shouldn't just for t- you can't do that uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind thing because they're completely wiped <laughs> let's make the same mistakes again <laughs> well okay um, I will listen to the Chili Peppers album they're playing here soonish uh, mm. June. And when? The end of June. End of June. Okay. Marley Park. Okay. We can probably go to that. I already have tickets. Fuck you. <laughs> God damn, traitor. My brother brought them for me. Do, do, oh, you have a brother now, do you? Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, first I'm fucking hearing of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's more like a, a convenience <laughs> brother than a. I don't know what the opposite is. <laughs> oh, stop. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of his brother before. I thought he had a sister. Unless you mean like the Hulk Hogan thing? Like, brother. Brother. (laughs) Yeah, he bought them for me. I was like, thanks for that, brother. Thanks for the Chili Peppers tickets, brother. Brother. You want to record me singing (laughs) N-bomb? Brother. That's my impersonation of Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Hulk Hogan, if you hear this, please unblock me on Twitter. I know you got mad when I called you a racist that time. Um, but if you unblock me, I guarantee I can make a way funnier racist joke about you than I did that time. So, like, really deserve the block. You know, I can. I, like, I, I've gotten so much better with age and twisting the knife, and I just, I just know that I can do it better. I wasn't living up to my potential before, but I am yeah, now. Like, before, before when I pissed him off, it was just like throwing sand in his eyes. Now I can really get the knife in deep, in, right into his feelings, and really twist it on the way out. Like I can, I can really do some emotional, just emotional damage with it. So please unblock me. I want a second chance. We all deserve a second chance. 
Um, this has been episode 47 of Morning Brew. Oh. Uh, I've, of course, been Adam Sheridan. I'm still Stephen Burke. And I continue to be Daniel Person. Brother. Brother. Brother.